Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sounds of Success. My name is Christina. I'm Phil. And today we are talking with Brian Dixon about financial aid. Yeah, Brian, he, well, uh, he was the Associate Vice Provost for Student Aid and Affordability. Uh, he's recently been promoted to Vice Provost for Enrollment Management and Student Success. And he comes to us from Washington State University, started at UT uh, in February in the midst of the pandemic. So uh, what an now interesting- Now he's gonna be the Vice Provost. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a mover and shaker. He's he doing big things. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and chat with Brian. Hello, welcome, Brian. We're so excited that you came to sit down and talk with us today. Awesome, glad to be here, glad to be here for sure. Yeah, so I have an immediate question already. We all know that FAFSA opened up very, very recently within the last few weeks. So I tell students all the time, you know, make sure you fill out your FAFSA, make sure you fill out your FAFSA, and it kind of goes (laughs) in one ear, out the other, basically. But why should students fill out a FAFSA, regardless of socioeconomic status? Well, there's a couple of good reasons. One of the things I think is really important about filling out the FAFSA, especially during um, COVID, this time that we're in right now, is we're seeing lots of students and families experiencing financial difficulties, um, that they have lost money you know, during the pandemic, they've been laid off, they've experienced some of those kinds of things. And a lot of students and families who didn't rely on financial aid before are now needing to rely on financial aid sure. just to be able to cover books, cover those basic necessities. And so we're just happy to kind of help students through that. And we we feel like if you fill out the FAFSA, then at least you have an opportunity um, to see what you're going to qualify for to become available, even if some point throughout the year you don't anticipate needing something, you can quickly access resources, even if it's something like a loan. And so we encourage students to fill out a FAFSA for those who qualify for that, and then also a TASFA um, for those who might be um, internationals, but qualify as Texas residents. And so um, they should fill out the right application and we'll help them if they have questions about that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about you know your financial situation changing mid-school year even, right? And how that could maybe qualify you for additional aid that you didn't know you even had access to. Right. And the reason that that's important is that the FAFSA is based on two-year income. So the students who are filling out FAFSAs that just opened October 1st, mm-hmm. they're going to be putting their income information from their 2019 um tax information. Well, things could have changed. <laughs> I can't imagine what changed since 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was some sort of big, giant global pandemic, rumor has it. Yeah. A lot of people staying at home, a lot of hard times. I don't times. know if y'all have heard about that. Right. I think it's called COVID. <laughs> right, right. And so and so, it's not obvious when you fill out your FAFSA that, you know, hey, I've had a change in my situation and what should I do about that? Because what I've put on this paper um, or this online form doesn't line up with my current reality. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I always think about like, uh, you know, I'm entering this data from last year, but really, like, things are different, or I changed jobs. Or... Right, right. So how does financial aid account for that? Because I know that I was wondering about that, too. Yeah, so the way the financial aid office accounts for that is we usually recommend that you contact us through our, our Texas One Stop, and we'll sort of talk you through the steps, understand the size of the change, the type of change, so we can navigate through. But normally, we'll have you fill out an online form, mm-hmm. and we'll collect some documentation, and we'll evaluate the impact. And if there are changes to be made, then we use what's called um, special circumstance or professional judgment to make those adjustments to your FAFSA 
FAFSA on your behalf. So you should fill out, students should fill out FAFSAs according to their actual information for 2019, as it says on the form, and then work with the financial aid office on their on their specifics. And if they qualify for more money, then we'll go ahead and, and award those to them. And if they don't, then we'll talk them through what other options might be available to them yeah. um, to help get them through. Yeah. Where does that money come from? Okay, so 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 money's coming from a, a bunch of different sources right now. Yeah. So we're um, we we have traditional financial aid um, right now, like grants and scholarships and loans that you're familiar mm-hmm. with. But right now, one of the things we're also dealing with is is um, HERF funds, which are the special allocations of student emergency funds. And uh, some of the students going to UT right now it, uh, received um, some of these dollars through block grants. Mm-hmm. Um, over twenty five million dollars. This current fall has been given out in the form of block grants to our students. And then we just, as recently as Wednesday of this week, um, applied, um, opened up an application process to over 26,000 students to ask for additional assistance. So we are trying to work um, to get out that information to our students. So all in told, we'll see over 35,000 students um, here at the University of Texas receive emergency assistance just this fall alone, helping people recover um, from this pandemic and all the different, you know, challenges paying for your housing, Mm -hmm. challenging covering food and just sort of making making those ends meet. So this has been a really um, important time for the financial aid office to help students and families. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of students who've gotten a check or gotten some money and it's helped out immensely. It's it's nice to hear some good things coming from uh, yeah. folks' experience with financial aid. Usually it's a gripe, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't get this approved in time or I didn't get this form in time. It's actually been kind of surprising for some, right? Like yeah. some people weren't yeah. expecting that. Like, is this is this right? Is this okay? Am I okay? being pranked? Like, yeah, <laughs> is this a scam? What's going I on? I graduated in May of 2020, and I remember right before I graduated, we had some like emergency funds come mm-hmm. out to students. Mm-hmm. And when I got the email, I was like, this is a scam. And I will not be replying. I will not be clicking any sort of links whatsoever. And then I think on I was working on campus at the uh, at the time on campus. I was working from home on campus. <laughs> from, and, your, from your living room. <laughs> from my living room. <laughs> and I heard um, some of the advisors talking about it. And I was thinking, oh, maybe it's not a scam. So I, was, I just kind of clicked on it really quickly. Next thing I knew, there was money in my bank account. And I, I was kind of worried like what if they take this back what if they take this back absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. so we've 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 included all that information on our texas one-stop page yeah. that explains about these her funds so mm-hmm. it explains the criteria who's getting them how they're going about and then also how to get in contact with us and of course in general we don't advise students to start clicking on links from from unfamiliar sources and emails right, <laughs> right. to protect their identity and yeah. not entering their sensitive information in other places so we try to document things well to to avoid any confusion wow well, i know it's been a heavy list for your team and the one-stop team over the last couple of years. And um, I know I appreciate it. I hope students appreciate it too. I know that uh, it's it's been a challenge working through the pandemic and the, the legislation that's coming from Washington yeah. and how that money needs to be used. And- yes, yes. So a lot of great people working together. And yeah, I mean, we all know the university pretty much shut down and people ran the university from their, from their own homes, mm-hmm, right, for mm-hmm. a long period of time to make sure that we could keep students uh, moving forward and going through. So 
it's exciting to be to this point, and um, we're continuing to advocate with the government to look at long-term, not just temporary support, but long-term right. support for students. You probably have heard a lot of those conversations about free college and mm-hmm. how's that all going to work. So we're, we're monitoring all of those situations to see what we can do to adjust and advocate um, for the long-term needs beyond this year for students and their families. Yeah, selfishly, I got my eye on that public service loan forgiveness stuff that's going on. So yes, hopefully I get yes. some good news for me. Way uh, too complicated <laughs> right now. The process is way yeah. too complicated. It does look very complicated. I think I read somewhere that um, the first group of people who qualified for complete loan forgiveness through the public loan forgiveness program, Mm -hmm. um, of the people that applied, 96% of them were rejected. Yes. It's it's been a troubled program for For a long time. For arbitrary reasons. Mm There was, one, there, was, there was one of the staff members in the financial aid office who was sharing his story. He did get it approved. He ended up having to make over 87 communications. Oh, wow. wow. 87 communications? That's right. That's right. But he finally got it through. There were, there were certain payments that didn't get credited properly and the wrong yeah. things went to the wrong place. And it, was, it was a very difficult, painful process oh because gosh. it was like you just couldn't figure out where things were wrong because there just mm-hmm. wasn't great messaging. And so yeah. I think that's what Congress is really taking a look at and seeing what they can do to to figure it out. But I would just encourage, you know, students, if that's something you're looking at, something you qualify for, to be persistent and ask for help. Yeah, it feels like change is coming, like with financial aid, right? It's coming. Mm-hmm. So it seems like maybe students of all socioeconomic status backgrounds should fill it out just in case. Absolutely. Something happens. Absolutely. Keep your options open, right? Fill it out. See what you qualify for. If you've had changes in your family situation, um, certainly be in touch with us so that we can make sure that um, your your form accurately reflects your your financial ability to pay. Absolutely. Well, you know, let's talk about dates and, you know, deadlines, because I think that those are things that really easily disqualify people from getting money that they could. So um, I think the FAFSA is available right now, right? October 1st it opened, and, and we encourage students to submit it by January 15th. And then with scholarships, we encourage um, scholarship applications that uh, continuing general scholarship application to be completed by uh, March 15th. So those are two important dates to write down and make sure um, that students don't miss those and that they fill those out. And one of the things I would say about scholarships is it's it's pretty common for um, first-year students to come in with lots of scholarships because um, high school guidance counselors, moms and dads, you know, really like kind of pushed you and nudged you along. Right. And and not all those scholarships were renewable. And so we forget to uh, look for scholarships that sophomore year. And so I would say that's a really important sort of pro tip to remember to keep looking at scholarships, you know, beyond that first year yeah. of college to help pay for everything. Yeah. So there are a lot of scholarship opportunities available on campus. And I think you just brought it up that going into freshman year, students will have a lot of scholarships. But after that, there's not that much out there or so we believe. And we know that that's not true. There's a lot out there. Mm -hmm. But what are resources that students should look into to look for these scholarships that are offered specifically for UT students or not specifically for UT students. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple of good there's a couple of good resources out there to take a look at when you're looking at scholarships. I, I think one of those again is on our Texas One Stop. It's called Managing Your Costs. Mm-hmm. There's a section that says financial aid and scholarships, and there's a link there and a tool called Scholarship Finder. Um, and so there's some abilities to do some filters there. And so um, if a graduate student happened to be listening, there's a filter you could do for 
graduate student. You can filter based on residency. Um, the other place that I would say is uh, most of the most of the the colleges. Um, have their own, you know, depending on what your major is, have their own sets of scholarships and application process. You'll normally find that on your college's mm. website. So mm -hmm. those will be listed out there as well. And when you're looking for outside scholarships, um, I think that um, FastWeb, you know, continues to be FastWeb.com, continues to be one of my favorite sites. CollegeBoard.com um, has a scholarship finder uh, on there as well. I would say the big thing to be careful about when you're applying for scholarships, especially scholarships outside the university, mm -hmm. is you want to make sure that you're going to a legitimate source. Right. Yeah. Um, that that you don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be ever paying to apply for a scholarship, and you don't want to be entering sensitive information to some place that, yeah, of course, that could steal your steal your steal your information. So you want to make sure legitimate source and. Um, Consistently, you'll see you'll see some of those there. Some people are kind of popular scholarly. You might have seen that a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. That was on Shark Tank, and so that's that's one of those uh, that's one of those scholarship searches that um, is, is sort of growing a, a bit in popularity and mm -hmm. a little mobile friendly. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's a question I get a lot from from students who are here already. Like, how can I apply for scholarships? What are the opportunities for me? What's the advice? And the advice I always give them is try to find scholarships that are as specific to you as possible. Like the best possible scholarship I could apply for is like money for dudes named Phil Butler, right? That's right. <laughs> like that That's scholarship right. doesn't exist, but like the, the, the more honed in to who you are and what your identities are, what you're trying to yeah. accomplish, like you're trying to eliminate the, the competition, right? If you're applying for a national scholarship, your, your competition is everyone Everybody. in the country and yeah. then same thing for the state. And then your college and then your majors. So like the more specific you can get, I yeah. think the, the better your chances are for. And I like that Brian brought up college and majors having their own scholarships available. A lot of times they're small and people mm -hmm. don't really know that they exist mm -hmm. or they're like, oh, it's only a couple hundred or like low in the thousands. So it doesn't matter. But it matters a lot. Right. You know, I mean, like right. your rent, uh, it goes towards rent. It can cover groceries, part of your tuition. Um, right. But if I offered you $250 on the street, you would absolutely take it. I would absolutely take, it. <laughs> take $250 on the street. I would take $50 on the street. No <laughs> <Right>. questions asked. <laughs> right. Would you walk past a $100 bill, right? It's just laying on the ground. You're like, yes. yeah, that seems like and too much And a lot of trouble. times I think that these scholarships, I mean, they require like a personal statement and maybe a letter of recommendation, but not that much more. Um, so the way I like to explain it to my students is you spend an hour to two hours writing a personal statement. Mm -hmm. If you get the scholarship for $1,000, you just got $1,000 mm -hmm. for two hours of work. Mm -hmm. um, so I like phrasing it like that. But um, I, used to, I used to do that with my kids. I, I made a requirement. I said, hey, dad will help you pay for college, but you have to apply for at least five scholarships a, a week. <laughs> so that was just a little deal that we just worked out with us and said, hey, if you, if you want dad to cover, hey, you're not responsible for getting the scholarships. You're just responsible for applying for them. And, applying, yeah. and we're very fortunate that they all did very well with finding, finding scholarships. But I think part of the problem is the, persist the persistence, right? You apply for one or two, you don't get them, and you go, huh, this doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah the cost-benefit analysis right. kicks in. I always tell students that, you know, the winter break is a really good time to be applying for scholarships because you don't have schoolwork to do, right? right. So you can focus on, you know, putting some time, effort, and energy into your uh, scholarship applications. Plus, 
who's not looking for an excuse to get out of the house during winter break? Like, you love exactly. your mom and dad, but, you know, it's, it's a, a far cry from being bit. at home yeah. or being on campus, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And there's some really good, there's some really good, you know, I mean, there's lots of students who are on social media right now. Yeah. Um, there are some pretty good social influencers like uh, my college board talk that I did earlier this week had someone featured um, Low Easton. Mm-hmm. So L-O and then Easton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she is a scholarship coach and she has great tips you can find on YouTube and watch some of her stuff. And so that might be another tip to kind of look at is finding who are those influencers or even people in your own network, right? Yeah. We all have that friend who just seems to be on top of things, right? And yeah. so, so, so trying to figure out their process, you should always, you know, sort of trust the professionals. But I think you can get some good ideas from your friends and yeah. what are they going about and where are they getting scholarships yeah. and, and funding assistance. For my students who are listening, that person was me. That friend was me. <laughs> please please come talk to me about this because I was a big believer in college of I refuse to pay for something that some rich, wealthy endow, endowment scholarship was going to pay for. I'm yeah. not paying for that. So um, there are a lot of things out there because a lot of times I, I learned recently that like most times for these smaller scholarships, very, very few people apply. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's That's so true. few. And so basically the people who do apply get it yeah because there was no competition yeah right the idea that the 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 juice wasn't worth the squeeze this Mm -hmm. idea but Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um i mean we do have a lot of great scholarships at this university because we have a lot of dedicated donors people who really love the university of texas who've been very successful and they come back and they give to the university and they want to help our students out and so i think that would be something that would make the donors very sad if students didn't apply and take advantage of these to um to try to make their 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 financial burden um, less challenging and so they could focus on their books and their and their studies and their education and yeah. and and making the world uh, a better place I totally forgot that a lot of these scholarships are coming from real people who want to impact <laughs> student livelihoods yeah those names are real real folks right I forget about that for me it's just like I don't know the university is just throwing money out. Uh, no, no. But these are real people yeah and on purpose making relationships and reaching out and asking people, in the university's network to be able to um, invest back into our students. And so even as the university sort of prepares for its its next set of um, development and fundraising efforts, like scholarships yeah. continue to be one of those central mm-hmm. points that the way it happens is is on purpose. And mm-hmm. I just yeah. would just remind people that, yeah, we go out and we ask and we form those relationships. And that's why if you've gotten a scholarship here, you've probably been asked to write a thank you letter because right. there's a yeah. real person on the other end who signed a check who made it possible wow. for you to have that money. Yeah. And the donors really love getting those letters. They like love it. Mm-hmm. They absolutely love it. It really charges them up and um, sometimes inspires them so much they tell their friends who have money who want to give to scholarships. So so um, yeah. I, I would encourage students to not sort of approach that process sort of begrudgingly, but yeah. to just sort of celebrate and embrace that you're you're making the world a better place for the yeah. next group of people who are going to be uh, trying to go through school and are looking for that scholarship help too. Pro tip, you don't have to do it alone, too. You, know, you can go to the Writing Center, and they'll look at your applications, give you some advice, give you some tips, tricks, hints. Absolutely. Spell check does not always work. One of my, one of my, one of my favorite stories is when I was um, reviewing scholarship searches one time. Um, the reason that the, the uh, student said, I, I really want to get this scholarship, is because I don't want to spend the rest of my life saying, do you want fires with that? <laughs> they meant fries, but they said fires, fires. which was very oh. disturbing, right? So very disturbing, right? The sort of, you know, sort of a hint at, I don't want to spend the rest of my life working at McDonald's, but <laughs> like, the spell check didn't catch it. Like, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What, what's going on there? 
Aww. insurance investigator. Do you happen to know, Brian, um, how many students receive scholarships at UT every every year? I can tell you that the university um, awards over uh, $122 million in institutional Ooh. aid in the form of scholarships and institutional grants. So wow. it's, it is a significant amount of money. Per so year? Per year. Wow. That's incredible. Per year. That's a lot of money. I'm just like, oh, what would I do really with $120 million? Dollars? <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a so that's a really that's a really significant amount of money. And that's why we want to make sure that students know and they're aware about that. And again, that's yeah. not that's not the scholarships that the students are bringing in from from all these talented sources like their church or their parents, employers or all those great places. These are these are specifically institutional dollars wow. that we've either either raised or specifically dedicated from various purposes. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, just apply and look for things mm-hmm. that are a little bit more specific to you. But what other kind of advice would you offer for students who are looking for scholarships at UT? Yeah, I think spending some time and 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 um, thinking about themselves, right? Phil sort of hinted towards it, like, wouldn't it be great if there was a Phil scholarship, right? Like if it's a Phil scholarship, great. And so there, there is one of the websites out there. One day called, when I'm money bags, I'll there make you it. There you go. Just name it after <laughs> you. And so, and so there is a website out there called niche.com and it is one of those scholarship search engines and it, it kind of works towards that is trying to figure out your different niches. But the things that I like um, if students are looking for scholarships is to just kind of brainstorm, spend some time thinking about all the different connections that you, that you have about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And and just kind of go through and say, oh, do I have any sort of church affiliation? Do I have, you know, any hobbies of interest? What do I want to do as far as career-wise goes? What's my family of origin? What are my backgrounds, my connections? Those kinds of things. So that when these scholarship um, websites come, there's usually a search and there's some filters yeah. that are there. And so the more that you've thought about those things in advance, the more likely you're able to sort of narrow your focus down to some scholarships that are going to make the most sense, make the most impact for you. Mm-hmm. The second the second thing I think is important is to sort of get organized, right? Like, so so have like a timeline. Um, there's usually different due dates and different dates when applications are opening up. So yeah, like I like, a, like a class assignment. Yeah. Even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to just take out a spreadsheet, you know, just like an Excel or, or a Google Doc spreadsheet and sort of pull it out and grab all those key dates that are there with a the link. And and then I just put reminders on my phone back back um, when I was in grad school. That would be the way that I would do it. And just kind of remind me like, hey, remember, you're going to work on this time. And then book the time out in your calendar to actually do it, right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. set the time aside to, and maybe it's, maybe Sundays between three and six are your sort of, that's your jam time that you just go in there and you apply for scholarships once a, once a week or once a every other week or whatever that time frame is. Um, Finances and, Friday. I like yeah, the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Money Monday. Money Monday. That's good. That Scholarship Sunday. Yeah, there we got lots go. of them. <laughs> so that would totally work. And then, and then you know, if you have a if you have sort of a brag sheet on yourself, kind of those quick pieces, it can be really helpful to um, to give to people who might have to fill out some references for you for some of the scholarships that come up. So, and then just kind of follow through, keep track of it because. Um, again, it's 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 sort of the law of averages. If you do enough of it, mm-hmm. and you have a quality process. You're gonna get some. You're gonna get some outcomes. You're gonna get some returns. And of course, reach out to folks like you, right? You get mm-hmm. get some help. Get some assistance. Um, there are people who are willing to to look at it and right. um, help you out. That's what we're here for. I feel for. like a lot of times when students are thinking about scholarship and grant applications, they think that they have to, you know, have a quote unquote sob story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I. You know, I. 
I think that we, a lot of people have had lots of difficult experiences that are going on, but I don't think that's everybody's reality. That's everybody's story. And I don't think that that's, that's always necessary. I think what is... What, what most, and I've sat on lots of scholarship reviews, what most scholarship review panels are looking for is do you sort of meet the, um, the, the criteria and the priorities of the funds they're trying to give out? So they're not looking for mm-hmm. everyone to say, you know, like everything has gone wrong my entire life. They're looking for someone who has thought sort of deliberately and intentional about what's going on there. They're, they're wanting to see how they're going to use the money, how it's going to make an impact, how it's going to make a difference. Um, not all scholarships are need-based either. There's mm-hmm. lots of them that um, involve creativity. Not yeah. every scholarship requires you to write a long essay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always the case. There's been some fun video ones I've seen, some sort of drawing design ones. Um, and there are some some uh, scholarship searches out there, engines that you can go out there that you can filter out stuff like don't require an essay don't require some of those things yeah wow yeah i think about you know even when you asked like your mom for twenty dollars to do whatever you still had to present like a pretty cogent case and like give examples that's right i think anytime you're asking for any money you can't just like expect it to be handed to you you need to have some sort of justification uh large or small for how it's going to be spent wisely or prudently Right, and how you've sort of deliberately sort of thought about, you know, how this will make an impact, how this will make a make a difference, and that you have some goals, right? Mm-hmm. These are some specific goals that you're trying to accomplish, and and these funds, receiving these funds, will enable those goals to be possible. I think people who give money for scholarships want to be a part of your success story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of talked about getting scholarships and and being more aware of what's out there. Um, you know, we talked to a lot of students who. They feel like they've done everything, right? They've filled out their FAFSA, they've sent in their forms, and they've run into some kind of problem. What are, what are kind of some of the most common things that you see that get in the way of people getting their, their financial aid? Uh, a couple things. One, one, there's so much jargon. There's so much financial oh, aid jargon, yeah. and we work really hard to kind of go through those. But there's you know, even phrases like FAFSA and, and EFC, and EFC is going to be getting changed the next couple of years to um, to family index. It feels like we barely learned EFC now, and they're <laughs> I don't know they're going to they're going to switch that. Yeah, we don't do a good job with uh, financial education in this no, country. I feel right, like right, right. So I think the jargon is one of those things. Um, also, um, a lot of times when students fill out financial aid. Uh, their application, they get selected for something called verification, which is like an audit process. Mm, they mm-hmm. ask for tax information and things like that. And so that can be- How often does that happen? Um, so, it, so it typically happens probably about a third of the cases. Oh, okay. um, but it is, it is, it is, it is a real situation for this, for the rest of this current year that we're in, sort of the 21-22, the federal government has um, put in place a process where for the most part, they've reduced that verification burden so that's mm-hmm. simplified and we're advocating through our national association for them to the federal government to continue that relief yeah. but that hasn't happened yet but one of the things that we do have in place is the university recently entered into a, a contract with a company called pro education mm-hmm. and they have a new tool called pro verify mm-hmm. and um uh, it has a lot of embedded smart forms in it, and it should make the process a lot easier so that students can't fill out information with the wrong information. There's better edits and so forth in place. Yeah. It'll streamline the process and and flow of information. So we're, we're pretty excited about this. This will be the first fall that we're doing that. And then we're also replacing our, our financial aid system, the entire piece of it. And that'll be, um, we'll start processing stuff next year with that. Yeah. And the year after that, we'll be replacing the entire scholarship system. So there's a lot of infrastructure things 
things that the, the university yeah. is trying to do to try to streamline those processes, bring in modern like systems. It should be more intuitive then to apply for financial aid. It should absolutely be more intuitive. It should absolutely be a better experience for students and, and, a, and a more streamlined, um, more consistent, yeah. timely experience for them. So we are um, primarily uh, running the university and their student systems on a, on a mainframe from the 1970s. <laughs> yeah. We're Absolutely f- from the 1970s. We're familiar with the mainframe. Yes. There you uh, go. There you go. There you yeah. go. Uh, filling out the FAFSA, being asked for verification, I just remember being so scared. I was like, yeah. if I mess up a single number on this form, no money. I'm going to jail and I'm not getting any money. <laughs> I was just so anxious. Bebo's going to like put you on the curb on Guad like you're done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was so worried. I don't know. It's just something about filling out the FAFSA that makes it very, very worrisome, especially for families who are helping first-gen students or Mm -hmm. families who are immigrants. Um, It's a lot of scary words and a lot of scary forms. And can we be honest? And can we be honest? It's kind of awkward, too, with... Asking your parents about like money stuff, yeah, right, because sure. you have to have their information mm-hmm. too, right? And you're yeah. like, so, like, mom and dad, like, how much do we have in savings? Yeah, you made what last year, right? Like, right? there's a lot of there's a lot of awkwardness to that, exactly. and then a lot of family situations are pretty complicated too. Yeah, and you're and like, like, I don't know where this might fits. not be able to ask that, right? But- yeah. Right. So that that part is really hard. And that's why we encourage you to reach out to us and, you know, and to talk to us about those situations. So if there's something difficult going on or something's changed, right, there's uh-huh. a lot of a lot of things have changed during this, again, this pandemic that, you know, families have maybe became estranged or other mm-hmm. kinds of situations like that mm-hmm. that are going on and happening. So we want want to let us know if they're either confused about a form or confused about how to fill something out. They're not sort of sure what to do. These kind of dead ends and roadblocks that sometimes people have as a part of the financial aid process and they just kind of throw their hands up in the air and like, I don't know what to do. I quit. I surrender. Well, you know, they will throw you out of this university just as quickly for not paying the bill <laughs> as they will for having bad grades. So I was like, stick with the process. Let us help you out. Let's figure it out. I know it can be challenging, but there are really a lot of great dedicated professionals here to here to help you. That's a really important point. I always felt like my financial aid was set in stone. You know, once I got that financial aid notification and that was oh, it, you, you know, like, it would, That's but right. it's, it's right. kind of reassuring to hear that you know your office and your team are there if if things do change for you in the middle of a school year and maybe you do need more aid and um the other group of helpers that are out there that i think is is a little less known that people don't always know about um that's just kind of got started during the the pandemic was the texas financial wellness right so they Mm -hmm. these are these are financial literacy counselors they are certified they are trained um, and they're available to our students to be able to make appointments and to talk to them. And so, so, so maybe you, you don't think you have enough money, but you know they can help give you some tips and some guidance about how to budget or how to come up with other resources. Or you know, through that conversation, they might also sort of realize that there there is some other resource that you are available to. And so. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm dealing with something difficult, it's it's helpful to kind of get it out of my brain mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of unpack that with somebody else. And um, they're a great group of folks to uh, to do that. Do they help staff too? Oh, they absolutely would be happy. <laughs> Christina's I, like, I'm I will be gonna, there. Yep. <laughs> I wrote it down for myself. <laughs> yeah, finances are like this weird cultural thing that we just don't really talk a whole lot about right. it in, uh, right. in the U.S. And it can be an awkward and hard conversation. I feel like... My first year students are always hungry for personal finance education because it's just not something that 
we learn about in high school here, and I think yeah. we should. I'm actually for for my students. I'm doing a things Christina has learned since graduation day. <laughs> adulting 101. <laughs> Basically, adulting 101, uh-huh. and it's it's gonna be a lot of finance things too, mm-hmm. like. This is what a credit card is. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had earlier this week I, I did this this uh, this conversation with with the uh, college board and one of the things that I talked about was the talk. This idea oh, yeah. that that we really don't have the talk with our parents and our families about sort of financing our education even before it gets yeah. started. And I know that we're listening, we're probably a lot of current students are listening, but there could be some staff and and those who have some um, upcoming high school seniors who are going to be going through this process. And I would just say four quick things. One, you know, have the talk, right? And yeah. specifically talk There's about- There's no PSAs for financial conversations, no, right? No, with your parents. No, what are the, what are the educational goals of your, of your student, right? Like, yeah. what are you trying to accomplish and parents what are your expectations for for um for your student when they go mm-hmm. to school so maybe the educational goal is they want to become a doctor or they want to be a lawyer so you might think about what your financial aid is going to look like how much you're going to borrow mm-hmm. because you have a longer term sort of game plan in mind so just kind of yeah. thinking about some of that and then again talking through some of the family situations and what kinds of support they might get when are there any strings on that support like mm-hmm. yes we'll continue to help you like with my kids as long as you apply for scholarships as long as you work a part-time job as long as you cover xyz like are they willing to borrow a loan for you right mm-hmm. like will they cuz there are parent loans out there are they willing to do that if you get into a difficult stretch um, is there anything that's sort of outside the norm you're planning on doing, like planning on studying abroad or, right. or doing something where there might be a bigger purchase that we might want to be kind of planning over the next couple of years so it doesn't just kind of fall upon us? So I think the talk is a really, really good thing to do because, unfortunately, in most cases, everything is sort of urgent because we didn't think about it in advance and now it's here yeah. and we don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not too late to have that talk, even if you're a junior or a senior, I would say, right? It, like, is, it, is, it is not too late to have that talk. It is certainly a, a great conversation to have. We just had this talk recently with my, my oldest son. He graduated in 2017, but he's planning to go to law school in the fall. And so mm, we, here we, we go this again. Talk. <laughs> here we go again. We had this talk and what is this going to look like and how's that going to work and where might you need some assistance and are you going to be able to keep working or are you going to step down from working mm-hmm. and how's that gonna how's that gonna operate even though he's you know 26 now yeah um i'm interested to hear your take on this i talk with a lot of students who um are really um worried about parental support for college either um you know it, let's say i am X major, but I really want to switch majors, but I don't think mom and dad are going to be cool with that and they're going to stop paying for college. Um, what would you say to a student who's in a situation like that? Yeah, that that can be a reality. The other thing can be your scholarship is tied to being in a particular major too, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, okay, what if I if I switch majors and I lose out on on this because they're not going to let me take this engineering scholarship over here to you know the College of Liberal Arts or something, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a I think that's a great question. Um, I would I would start by thinking about why, why am I looking to change, mm-hmm. right? Um, is this an impulse? Mm. Am, am I having a bad semester? Mm-hmm. Did I get stuck in one of those classes? I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever had that experience, but I certainly took like a calculus <laughs> exam one time. I was like, 
what was I thinking being this major? I should I should just quit and switch and move and do those kinds of things. So so is this something you've thought about? You know, what is sort of the reason behind that? So make sure you sort of have a well logic, well reasoned um, conversation. And then everybody kind of knows their family too. Like what is the right setting to do that? Maybe, maybe, you know, we're coming upon Thanksgiving, maybe not right before grace might not be the best <laughs> time the to sort of, even. Yeah, start that, start that conversation. <laughs> hey, real quick, before we cut that turkey and we say prayer, I just want to let you know, I am no longer going to be doing <laughs> that may not be the best time to do that. So it'll be memorable, <laughs> right? So, oh, so pick a time, right? Pick a place. Um, the other thing that I would say is, you know, a lot of times when when we're in college, and I tried to have this routine with my with my kids was, you know, don't wait so long between those conversations, right? Mm, so like, mm-hmm. so like when you do call, it's something so urgent. Like, make it more normal that we're checking in, and they don't, you know, you know, as parents, we don't need to know every part about your sort of college life, but you know, those key important things, getting those regular check ins, so that hopefully there's been some clues that hey, yeah. you remember how I told you I was struggling with this? Remember how I told you I was thinking about some of these things? Remember how I told you I was going to go meet with the academic advisor and try and figure out what some of my different options are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good. And then the other thing is, you know, have you thought about a plan, right? Like what would that look like? If, you're, if your family said, hey, I couldn't help you or I'm not gonna be able to support you anymore, like what other kind of options would that be for you? Would you would you have to go part time for a semester? Right. Would you would you would you um, would you be open and willing to um, work more hours or pick up other kinds of things? So just kind of you know kind of taking some time and going through it, just like any problem that we have is like this could go this way, this could go this way, because mm-hmm. um, you know none of us can sort of guarantee how that that conversation is going to go. Um, but I would also just kind of say, and I just I know just kind of just hit my spirit at this moment. A lot of people are dealing with mental mental health things right now. Yeah. So if you have a difficult conversation like that with your family, um, you know, please don't forget about all the great resources yeah. that the university has. Or if you're wrestling with having that conversation, mm-hmm. it might be helpful to um, role play that with somebody first. Yeah. Right? Giving us ideas for future podcast episodes. Right. Right. C-M-H-C, C-M-H-C. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, is there anything else that's going on in the financial aid world or, or you know, uh, in, in your office you feel like you want to share or, you know, that people need to be on the lookout for? Um, well, I, I think the, the big things that are that are going on that we want people to 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 be aware of is obviously the, the same process that we did for these these HERF emergency funds um, will mm-hmm. happen in the spring as well and on a very sort of similar cadence. So we're going to want to make sure that, um, you know, they're keeping their eye out and being prepared um, for those processes as they're as they're coming up. And um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing that's right right in front of us that we just really want people to know about and to be aware of and, and just take advantage of these great resources, right? Mm-hmm. Like I talked about Texas One Stop. I talked about how to go about sort of finding scholarships and just remembering that we're here to help you get through this process. And uh, I think someone told me recently we were sort of three years removed from the last normal school year, right? And just, oh, wow. and it just kind of like, hit, like just kind of, like just kind of hit, just kind of hit me in a funny place and yeah. just, just realize that we're sort of all working through the, the, um, Trauma? The, un- the trauma together, challenge, the trauma together yeah. and the challenge together mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. sure. And yeah, just, just don't ever feel like you're in this by yourself, that there are 
professionals here to help you and assist you. And I, yeah. I know that it can feel intimidating and overwhelming, kind of like going to the pharmacist and they're sitting high and they're looking down yeah. and they're asking you, is there any <laughs> questions you have? And you feel like you should know all the answers and you, uh-huh. you don't. My dad used to say, if it doesn't make sense, then don't buy it, right? So, so yeah. just keep asking those questions, keep being a good advocate. And if for some reason, that's too hard to do, then find a friend or, mm-hmm. or a classmate or somebody who can come with you and um, and give you the strength to, to, to kind of do what you need to do. If you're out there having a difficult time, let somebody know so we can help you. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your candor and being open about these topics. I know that money is is a touchy subject for a, a lot of folks. It is a touchy subject. But, but an important one though, very too. Very important, yes. <laughs> like Brian was saying, a lot of money goes out each year to a lot of students at UT. Yeah, what was that number? Like 2200 $122 million just for the institutional portion. The the university as a whole were, through the financial aid and scholarship office, you know, well over $500 million oh is, is going out through through the uh, university that we're helping manage. Yeah. It's half a billion dollars with That's a, a B. That's a lot of students. Wait, <laughs> half a billion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come chat with us on the podcast today. Absolutely a pleasure. Glad to glad to be here. Hopefully, um, I'll earn my way back onto the program someday. But yeah. until then, you guys keep spreading all that good information to students and helping them be successful. We love it, and we'll keep listening. Well, thanks. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. Take care. That was a really great conversation with Brian Dixon. I love talking to people who know their stuff, right? I also love talking about money because... (laughs) Who doesn't love money? (laughs) Not even that. Just like, I think that money is something that should be a much more transparent conversation. And it's important that we're able to have that conversation openly with students early on in their young adult life. Yeah, um, finances are kind of like mental health, right? It's 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 not always obvious who's struggling with it exactly. or who's succeeding with it just by looking around. And I think that it's easy to get caught in this idea that like, oh, everybody else at UT has their financial situation figured out except for me, right? Yeah. Like, cause Who's walking down West Mall being like, man, this scholarship I got is the best. People are usually like, I'm not telling anybody about this scholarship because I want to keep getting it. Right? Exactly. I mean, that was how I was like. I was like, I'm not telling anybody about my scholarships. I want it for myself next year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I especially liked the many, many resources that Brian was plugging. I think something that I looked at briefly but didn't really know too much about until today was the Texas Financial Wellness mm-hmm. Um career, not career coaches, sorry, financial financial coaches. Um, I think that is a really awesome resource. A lot of times it feels like for young people in America, you have to seek that knowledge out on your own, learn it on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I tried to teach myself finances through like YouTube videos. And then I realized that my attention span is too low. And so I What's an Roth IRA? I don't get it. I actually learned about finances on TikTok. Mm, I learned a lot on TikTok. I watch a lot of videos about like budgeting, and investing and saving and emergency savings and everything through TikTok. But of course, um, those people are not professionals. Those um, He did talk about, you know, those, uh, those scholarship influencers, influencers yeah. on social media. So I media. guess that's what I do. But, you know, we also have the Texas Financial Wellness Center. So you can watch TikToks or you can go to the Texas Financial Wellness Center. Either one are good options for y'all. 
Um, I also really appreciated that he, he talked about calculus class being tough mm -hmm. and now he's in charge of financial aid for the entire I university. I connect that dot. <laughs> so, you know, if you're out there struggling in calculus, there's hope. Don't there worry. Hope. You know, there you too hope. could still uh, become... Do many things. Yeah, you could be in charge of... $500 million someday. <laughs> That's really scary. I, I mean, I always really admired how much UT supports its students financially compared to other universities. Mm -hmm. I know that there's still a lot of work done in American higher education, but I think that compared to other universities, especially other universities of our caliber, mm -hmm. UT definitely does a really good job. I just did not know how much money it was. Yeah, I think uh, being a public institution of our caliber kind of gives us access to buckets of money that other schools um, you know that have endowments about our size don't have access to exactly, you know you think about exactly. the Ivy League schools yes they are immensely well funded mm -hmm. uh, however they don't have the same access to state funding or to uh, federal funding that, exactly. that a school like UT does yeah and so we are very lucky to be here I am very lucky to have graduated from from UT and I think that you should all remember that as a university, sometimes it feels like everything is working against you, but mm -hmm. there is a resource for whatever it is that you're experiencing. There is somebody in some office on campus whose entire job is to help you work through that. Yep, help you get it figured out. Um, something else that Brian talked about was, um, you know, this idea that you don't have to have a sob story oh, yeah. to get a scholarship, right? Um, you don't have to be Oliver, um, you know, with your pockets turned out. Uh, yeah, I think that a lot of times we feel like scholarship money is only for people who have sob stories. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that people who review scholarships are really tired of reading sob stories that are just sob <laughs> stories. Um, maybe maybe throw a little bit of personality in there. I, I like that he really emphasized that um, as a scholarship application reviewer, he really prioritized students who were intentional with what they wanted to do with the money, students mm -hmm. who wrote about how much of an impact it would have on accomplishing their goals. Mm -hmm. I think that that reframing is really, really important, that it's not just here are the things that I've been through, but also here is what I plan to do to make myself, my community, Community and the world a better place and here's how your money would help me do that mm -hmm. I think that really outlines a much more convincing story mm -hmm. I think he also added a to-do item to everyone who listens to this list uh, have the talk right have like talk. you think about like the sex talk with mom and dad or the drugs talk with mom and dad or the who, alcohol talk who talks about Where's money? The money talk yeah y'all need a money talk I didn't have that conversation I forced my parents to have that conversation <laughs> like I did. said I've always been like I've always been like this <laughs> show so. me the dollars and cents mom <laughs> no literally I was like I need to know what I'm getting myself to going to college I need to know everything so that I can make the best decisions that I can for my education and so that I can you know, know what it is that I'm bringing back home when I graduate. Mm -hmm. Well, good for you. This is probably why you have fewer loans than I do, and I'm still paying oh every gosh. month. <laughs> I graduated with no loans, Philip Butler. I graduated with no loans because I forced my parents to have the talk. 
There you go. There you go. There's um, there's the secret right there's there. The secret. Have the talk. There's the secret. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really appreciated that Brian told us how to look for scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas One Stop has a scholarship finder, and I was actually looking through that. Yeah, managing your earlier. costs, I think, is what he said. Yeah, that was managing under. your costs, and then it goes to scholarship finder, and you'll be able to really narrow things down according to what you would qualify for, what you would be a good candidate for. Um, this is a very easy way to look for scholarships because I feel like when I was in school, I had to use like 15 different UT websites mm-hmm. at once. Or Google, which or isn't Google. really helpful either. Yeah, it's not that helpful. But I want to emphasize that colleges and majors also do offer scholarships that are, you know, much less popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and quick plug for the COLA uh, scholarship page. There yeah, are lots of scholarships so available scholarships specifically there. for liberal arts students on our website. And I always point out that there's a significant amount of scholarships available for studying abroad, too, oh, yes. uh, to help ease the, the costs oh, associated yes. with that. Basically, if you're not planning to study abroad in Europe, you can get a ton of money. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you're planning to study abroad in Europe, you can still get money. Mm-hmm. It's just not as much as if you went elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I've even heard stories of people going abroad and it being cheaper than UT because the cost of living was exactly. better. Or and they went on exchange, mm-hmm. so they were paying mm-hmm. UT tuition that they had scholarship money for. Mm-hmm. I studied abroad in, in London for almost free, basically. Um, there's a ton of money out there. Uh, yet another great idea for a podcast, I think. <laughs> How to study abroad for free. <laughs> How to study abroad for free. Like I said, I refuse to pay for things that somebody else will pay for mm-hmm. instead of me. It's not a bad MO. Not at all. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Absolutely. I want to remind you all, the FAFSA application is due January 15th, Yeah, that was the, the early preference was FAFSA. And then most scholarship deadlines, he said, was March 15th, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So get get on it if you haven't started. Better to do it now than later. Mm-hmm. Cross it off the to-do list. Absolutely. And then have the talk. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in yet again to listen to The Sounds of Success. Uh, we hope that until next time, all of your endeavors are a success.